Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. It's Jamie Malm. This is officially episode number one of season two of the Advisor Arena podcast. And I have, as promised, my new co-host on the line with us, Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? Yeah, I am doing great, Jamie. How are you today? It's so, uh, so nice to be hosting our first episode here. I'm really excited. I think in, you know, full transparency here, we should acknowledge the fact that we have spent the last 30 minutes trying to get vo- both of our voices to record. So nobody ever accused us of being the most tech savvy podcasters. That's for sure. It is a work in progress. There's no doubt, but we're going to get there like we always do. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll keep grinding away over here and we'll get it figured out. So it'll just get better and better. Okay. Hey. I do too. So I was listening to another podcast this morning. I tried to get my husband up to go work out this morning because Every Sunday, he says, okay, tomorrow is my day. I will wake up at 6 a.m. if you will get up. And normally, I go to the gym earlier than that. But I said, okay, I will skip if you're going to get up and you're going to work out. Yep, 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 I am. So at 6, the alarm goes off. And I say, Brad, are you going to work out? Nope. I've decided I'm never going to work out on Mondays. And I said, well... Let's just do it and then you'll you'll feel better. Let's just get up. No, I'm I've just decided I'm not going to work out on Mondays, but I am going to start tomorrow. So I was out in the garage alone this morning, having missed my gym time and decided, well, I'm just going to walk on the treadmill for a little bit and I'll listen to a podcast. So I'm listening to a woman that started her own business. And one of the things that she said reminded me of us doing this one, which was, my idea of perfection or even what was acceptable to put out there in relation to my business has come so far in the last seven years. And I thought, you know, we're probably going to look back on this and go, we could have been so much better, but it's part of the growth process, right? I mean, you got to start somewhere. I agree. I mean, it's, uh, it's totally different when you're the one behind the mic having to come up with the content and plan the shows and uh, record the shows. So you're exactly right. As you do them, you're going to get better with experience. So it's kind of like the whole working out thing. You just got to get up and at least get up and then see what happens. So yeah, that's yeah. all Brad needs to do. Get up, see what happens. And we're going to do the same thing with our podcast. That's right. You can't keep saying Every Sunday night, tomorrow is going to be my day. And then every Monday, except for Mondays. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's he just needs to not even work out. He just needs to get up at first, I feel yeah. like. Just get up, wake <laughs> up at that time. You don't necessarily have to work out. And then, and then, you know, next time, then put your workout clothes on. Maybe you still don't work out. And then maybe the next time after that, you actually go to the gym. Yeah, there you go. I like that idea. So for any advisors out there that are thinking about starting a podcast or writing a book or getting back into marketing, you just got to do it. You just got to do something, right? So as promised in the, I think it was the season finale where you and I did the Ask Me Anything episode, we promised that we would get back together and we would have some time where people really got to know you. And I sent a little blurb out today to some of our people that are subscribers and I described you, I think, as something along the lines of 
a beard loving, Birkenstock wearing, Coors Light drinking co-host. How accurate that's, was I? That's a pretty good description. There's okay. no doubt. I love what Birkenstock I sandals. I either wear Birkenstocks, cowboy boots, and I either drink Coors Light or water. So there you go. <laughs> pretty simple. No in between. Coors Light. No in between. I like it. And really, if you're saying the extremes of Coors Light to water, it's probably the same extreme between Birkenstocks and cowboy boots. Those two really are usually like (laughs) one or the other. Yeah, I doubt there are too many Birkenstock cowboy wearing Mm -hmm. guys out there in the world right now. No, you're very. But they're comfortable. You're very. They're comfortable. They work for me. I've worn them forever. I just stick to what I know. I like it. That's, that's why did I do no Crocs because Crocs, you know, are the new thing back. I mean, they were the old thing that are not the new thing. I will never wear Crocs <laughs> or let anybody in my family wear Crocs. I cannot do the Crocs. I can't I mean, tell you how many you pairs we well, have here. Oh, do you, you guys have all, a Croc family? All of my kids. I do not own a pair of Crocs. Brad would say, what the hell are Crocs? But my kids love Crocs. We have so many pairs. They're everywhere. They're overflowing. They're well, everywhere. Now they make rubber Birkenstocks. Mm. So if they like Crocs, you ought to get them some, some yep. rubber Birkenstocks. I actually think they do have some of those now that I think think about what they've worn lately. I think they've had those this summer too. So, Well, hey, if anybody nice. needs any fashion advice, I guess they know where to come. Not Burks. me. Don't come to me. I'm <laughs> I'm very not fashionable at all. I've been wearing the same stuff for the last 20 years. That's why people love you. All right. Well, and you know what, though? It all comes right back around eventually. So uh, maybe here in another couple of years, I'll be back in style. You guys will all be out of style. That's true. That is true. So I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about your family, but I think I need to introduce Jenna myself. So Jenna is your lovely wife, which how tall are you, Josh? I am oh, pushing 6'6". Six, six. I'm pretty close to 6'6". Six, six. And I'm 5'2". And I would guess Jenna's about my height. Is that about right? She is. She's definitely 5'2". So it makes me laugh when we've had to take like professional photos together because we usually have to, you know, strategically I have to find a, a step or something in which I can stand on. And I just think it's so cute when I see pictures of you and Jenna together. She is the absolute sweetest person my kids met her when did we go to hawaii for the gala was it 2014 maybe yes i believe so so. like i mean like six years ago that's how long we've been working together now six years crazy i think we went to canada in 2015 i don't know 2015 2014 somewhere in there anyway quite a while for kids who are i mean my my daughters are now 18 14 and my son is 12 so i mean five years in the span of their lives is quite a bit. And they, I'm not kidding you, probably every few months want to know when they can go back to Topeka with me to go into the gradient office or when we're going to have the next gradient function. Why? Because they want to see Jenna. They are so hoping that Jenna will be there. They absolutely adore her. It's true. All kids love Jenna. It is amazing. <laughs> she has a, I don't know what it is, but they just love her to death. She's such a sweetheart. She is awesome. So I feel the same way as the kids. I'm not going to lie. I love her too. So 
I, I don't know do what it. it is either, but I can tell you I don't have it. Kids do not flock to me. So whatever that magical thing is that people put out that makes kids and animals go, you are just the best person of all time. I don't think I have that, but I'm okay with it. It's I, fine. Think, I am what I am. I think it's, I think it's patience sometimes. Mm, uh, that would explain it. Patience, having fun. So that's... Uh, I think that's why Jen is so good with kids. She's so patient. And she is. P- kids love her. And you have Logan, one little girl. Yes. How old got now? got a little girl named four? Logan. She is four and a half. And don't forget that half. Or half. Have, yeah, that's important when you're that old. Exactly. So, yep, she's four and a half, pushing four and three quarters right now. I miss that age so much. um, My oldest is turning 18 tomorrow and we had a birthday party last night. All the grandparents and aunts and uncles. So I live um, for those that are listening that don't know. I live in a pretty rural area and this is where I grew up and it's where Brad grew up. So all of our families around here. So when we have a family birthday party, it's not like four or five people. It's like 50 people. So for those of you freaking out saying, you know, large gatherings, don't worry. We did it smaller. (laughs) So we had some older aunts and uncles that didn't come, some younger cousins that didn't come. But there was quite a few people at our house yesterday. And I thought that's probably the last birthday party. First of all, well, for her. I mean, I've got younger kids. But first of all, not many 18 year olds still want to have like a family birthday party, which I think is awesome. It must be pretty indicative of how close we are. But it was kind of sad. We were looking through photo albums at how cute and sweet she was when she was like two and three and four. And now she's kind of a moody teenager. That reminds me every day. I'm not even going to live here in six months. So that equates, of course, to you have no control, apparently. It goes quick. And I can't believe that Emma is 18 years old. That is just absolutely crazy to me because I can remember when we were on those trips here six, five, six years ago, and she was just a little girl. So it that just blows my mind, to be honest, that she's 18 years old. Me too. All right. And you so know what? That's, where, that's why you live where you live, because uh, all your family's there, and you guys are big time in the family. So I think yep. that's great. I do love it here. Everybody says, oh, Kansas. What's that like? <laughs> I love Kansas. Okay, what's something that I would be surprised to know about you or somebody that knows you pretty well would be surprised to find out about you? I am only terrified, really, of one thing, Mm. and that's lightning. I am (laughs) deathly afraid of lightning. I don't do lightning. If it starts lightning out, I'm out. I'm in the house. Count me out on anything. I can't do lightning. Okay, yep. that's interesting because I just found out this past year that you love to blow stuff up and 4th of July is your all-time favorite. Spent a ridiculous amount of money on fireworks, but lightning is a no-go. No-go on the lightning. Okay. I don't know if it's because I'm tall or... <laughs> but it starts lightning, that's though. Legit. And I instantly... That's I legit. Instantly, so here's a funny story. Jenna and I, we were, I can't remember where we were coming back from. I think we were coming back from a cruise. We get to Kansas City, the Kansas City airport. It's late. It's like 9 p.m. at night, pitch dark, lightning and thundering like you wouldn't believe. Like it's a torrential downpour. We're parked in the economy lot of the airport. 
So we have to catch a shuttle. The shuttle drops you off at a little, I don't know what to call it, like a little weather hut type of thing that you can at least mm-hmm. stand under to get out of the rain. And then you got to go find your car. Nah, not this guy. I made my own five foot two wife run in the lightning about a half mile through the parking lot to find the car and come pick me up because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So does she think it's so funny bad. or was she mad at you about that? I think she felt bad for me because she could sense yeah, and she see is the, the fear sweetest. of my eyes. I know. She, she didn't want me to start crying in front of her, so <laughs> she went and got it. She showed some mercy. Yeah, I think those of us that live a little closer to the ground probably don't have that fear. Maybe <laughs> huh, I don't know. I'll have yeah, to find out. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna ask my other the other tall people in my life if that's a thing. I would not yeah. have guessed that. So, All right, fair nope, enough. No lightning in me. I'm not not doing it. So mm, interesting. You said something about things that we're scared of. Now this is not a secret. Everybody knows this about me that knows me very well, but. As you know, well, I am afraid to fly. And you and I went to Minnesota for a new generation U training where we bring agents in, they share love, ideas, and it's kind of our flagship. I right? love this story. This is great. <laughs> and you went on the private jet, which takes how long to get there from Topeka in the private jet? Mm, hour and a half, max. Okay. Well, it takes me 12 hours to drive. So right, it was. I thought it was a pretty easy decision. It was private wasn't. jet or no. drive in a car. No, it wasn't easy. It's like getting in a little tin can and hoping you don't die. So no, that wasn't easy. <laughs> so I convinced Brad is going up with me for this one too. So those that don't know, my husband Brad is the HR director here. So he had to go up to Minnesota. Well, I don't know if he had to. I made him tag along, and he could go find some work to do while you and I were at this event and we wrap up Friday at noon. You say goodbye, you know, we tell everybody goodbye, yep, have a good weekend. And you are headed back, hop on the jet. Brad and I leave the office. We stop at Chipotle for lunch (laughs) in Minneapolis, okay? We have not left Minneapolis yet. As we were pulling out of the parking lot from Chipotle, you called and I'm like, oh, Josh is calling, I wonder what's wrong. I answered and you're like, no, I'm just checking in, we just got home. I said, what? Yeah, we just landed. We're in Topeka. I'm headed back to the office. And I thought, oh, we haven't even left Minneapolis. I have a 12-hour drive ahead of me. On that drive well, home, tornadoes. Yeah, don't forget about the best part oh, of the I won't. here. Oh, I won't. So I can't remember where we were at, but still probably five hours from home. It's pitch black. It is torrential rain. And in front of us, I mean, I am like white knuckling in the car and I'm not, I mean, normally I'm out. I'm, I can sleep. It doesn't matter who's driving. I'm not nervous. I'm asleep. So not only am I not asleep, but I'm like white knuckles in the passenger seat and it is a downpour and we cannot see. And it's just a blurry mess of lights. And in front of us, a big semi kind of turns, I don't know what you call it, but turns. So it's skidding sideways and we're headed toward it. And thankfully we avoid that. We, you know, have the radio on. We're trying to listen. And it starts the alarms, like the tornado warning. And it says, if you are within whatever the area is, take cover immediately. There is a tornado on the ground. And I looked at Brad and said, where are we at? What area is that? And I look up and the sign that it says, if you're near here, take cover immediately. It says that town one mile. 
and we can't see. I mean, I grew up with tornadoes, so, you know, usually you're not quite maybe as afraid of tornadoes as people that didn't grow up here, but I also respect them. (laughs) And I'm like, it's pitch black. It could be on top of us. I never thought in all the years of tornado training that I would consider getting out of the car and lying in a ditch. But I looked at Brad and said, oh, my God, do we need to get out and lie in the ditch? And he goes, I'm not doing that. And so he just he drives. I said, you could be driving us right into it. So we're arguing. Meanwhile, I'm trying to find the weather app to see which direction the tornado is going, where which direction we are going from the town. We find out we're going opposite direction. So he just starts driving faster. Probably not our smartest move ever, but it was one of the scariest trips home. We encountered two more tornadoes before we got past Kansas City. We, I have never seen floods like that in Kansas City pouring off like the overpasses. Cars are pulled over. We got home at like 2 a.m. And I thought, we are actually lucky to be alive. I should have gotten the private jet. Not enough so that I actually did it next time. But I did consider it for a few months after that horrific trip. Well, I I just think it's hilarious. You are the only person in the history of the world that's ever turned down a private jet ride. I'm mm. pretty sure. Like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to drive. Thanks. <laughs> let's be honest. Hilarious. Okay, if we're really going to be honest here, let's talk about the one time I did go in the jet. I went, you were not there. But there were, I think, three other Gradient employees. And we're on our way to Minnesota and we hit turbulence and turbulence in a tiny private jet is unlike anything I've ever felt in a commercial jet. I don't like to fly commercial. I don't like to fly at all. I definitely don't want to be in a small plane. And involuntarily, I like have tears that spring to my eyes. And, you know, they're kind of laughing at first. They're like, oh, Jamie, it's fine. They're kind of giving me a hard time, you know, joking about us going down. And all I can think about is I'm never going to see my kids again. They're going to be stuck with Brad, my poor babies. And everybody just stopped and they looked at me and went, oh, you really are really scared. We're so sorry. And so now I think people feel weird about like laughing. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one time you cried in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> So I'm like, tough, oh huh? no, she she really Oof. is fearful. Yeah, we that's thought a she legit. was just a little scared. No, yeah. she's legit fearful. We yeah. thought maybe she was just kind of being funny. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, she's crying in the seat in the private jet in front of people. It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you know stuff like that happens. Uh, it happens. It was, okay. You get to know your coworkers better when you're stuck in a private jet. There that's you go. For sure. And you cry. I mean, I feel like we bonded. <laughs> Now it's like, look, if I tell you I'm scared of something and I don't want to do it, believe me, I really don't (laughs) want to do it. I'll cry. I'm not afraid. Okay. So since this is in the spirit of getting to know you and I just talked a ton about crying alone by myself, let's get back to you. I want to say like, what's a time where you were like, you know what? that was a huge challenge. I'm glad I did it. Here's what I learned from it. Can you think of anything like that that sticks out at you that you're like, that was tough. I didn't want to do that, but I did it. And I, I got this thing from it. That's helped me in other ways. So I always, yeah, I kind of look back, honestly, when I got into this business, trying to like find my way around and, what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to do it. 
I started out when I started out in this business selling Medicare supplements for a company called United Health Insurance or United American Health Insurance, actually, I think. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was driving all over the state trying to set appointments and sell Medicare insurance. Uh, that was challenging, but I stuck it out for a year and a half, and I'm so happy I did because it kind of launched me in this business and helped me grow a, a lot. Um, and I think it was one of the main drivers of why I'm at where I'm at now. So mm. that would be one for me. How old were you then? Right out of school. So I was like 23, yeah. 24. I was That's- young. It's such a good age too to do a job like that, I think. So I did um, telemarketing a little younger than that. I think I was, it was during college, but there is really something to be said for a tough job that nobody wants to do. It really builds character. And I think there's, there's so much that we can take from that. I mean, there's still things that I think about, okay, if I wouldn't have done that then, I wouldn't know how to handle this now. And too often I think we overlook the hard stuff to say that's hard. I don't want to do it. It's just going to detract from my goals. But, and this year can be so much like that. Right. I mean, if we look at all the things that have happened this year that were so hard, that were challenging that if given the option, we would have said, heck no, I do not want to branch out. I do not want to try new things. I do not want to talk, totally revamp my marketing. I don't want to try to find a new way of doing everything that's worked in the past in my business, but look how far we've all come from it. Look at all the new things that we now know. Oh, that's a much better way of doing that. Or that's a much more efficient way of doing this. And there's so much to be learned from things like that. Oh, oh, you're totally correct. If you think about just the, this year and the challenges and uncertainties, all of that all wrapped into this year. If you, if you make it through this year, you are tough. You are going to be, so much more, I guess, wh- whether it's, you know, mentally tough or just being, uh, maybe getting your things in perspective. I know it helped me tremendously re- reorganize my, what was important to me, put things into perspective. So even though it was a challenging year, there are things that are, you can take from this year and I think apply moving forward throughout your entire life. I agree. I was looking at my kids the other day. So, of course, I think every community probably has something like this, where you have this division of people who want to be back in school full time. And then the people that are so fearful of the virus, they're, you know, like we can't we can't do that. And so you have this division of opinions and what's right and what's best. Everybody wants what's best, but nobody knows how to go about doing that. And where I live, that looks like our kids being in school for three days a week. And most of them are learning online. So even though they go to class, all of their assignments, the way that they view their lessons, the way they turn it in, everything is online. And my older two daughters have done okay with it. My oldest one for sure loves it. I mean, it's like a college class. You know, she's mostly college classes. She's a senior, so it's fine. My middle one is a freshman and she doesn't love it, but she's okay. She's had a few years of middle school where they have had some online things. And then my 12 year old has been just beside himself. He is a great student. He loves being with people. He's very social. He gets, I mean, he's talkative. He will ask questions of the teacher. He will engage. He has his stuff done. 
He has been behind. He's been in tears. He's had his head in his hands. And I thought, you know, it'd be really easy for me to go to battle against the board and the schools and the teachers and say, this is ridiculous. My son is struggling. He is having a hard time. But then I thought, what good is that going to do him? How many more times in life are there going to be things that pop up that are going to say, hey, you don't get to learn the way you want to learn. You're not going to be taught this material in the way that it's easiest for you. This is the way it's being taught and this is the way you have to turn it in. So you are going to have to adapt. And it has taken weeks. I mean, we are, I don't even know, are we four weeks into school? I can't even keep track. Four or five weeks into school. And it has been a battle almost every day until really the last, I would say just the last three or four days, I've started to finally see that turnaround a little bit where he doesn't huff and puff and say, I can't do it, or I don't know how to do it, or this is stupid, and I hate this. You know, he's finally started to turn his attitude around a little bit. And I'm so glad I made him kind of push through that because I think that will serve him well in so many areas. Agreed. Well, the lesson you take from that is adapt and overcome. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. This is, this is our reality. We can't change it. There's nothing we can do about it. So we just kind of try to make the best of it and we are going to have to make some adjustments, but we're going to get through it. That's, that's awesome. That is really cool to hear. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I had this great epiphany of being a great parent. No, in my head, I was like, this is bullshit. I want to go tell everybody this is not the way kids learn. This isn't right. He is struggling. He's a smart kid. He needs a different way. And then I thought, no, I mean, who knows what school is going to look like for the next for the rest of his school career? I mean, we could go. They might come back and say, fine, you're in school. You get taught in person. But now everything's going to go online. How many times do we talk to agents that are like, no, I do paper stuff. I'm never adapting. I'm never changing it. He's got to learn how to adapt now. I mean, I think the more you learn to say, okay, well, if this is where we're at, then I'm going to learn how to make that work in my favor, the better we can be. But definitely my natural inclination was to fight it on his behalf at first. I had to really step back and think, that's probably not right. Well, Mama Bear, Mama Bear coming to her to her son's, uh, you know, help. I totally get that. But I think you made the right call there totally. You know, he's going to have to adapt. He's adapting. And so... Um, and it, it took me, so when we started working from home back in, what was it? March, I think when we mm-hmm. originally started, everybody started work. that was a huge adjustment for me. Now remember. And so I can totally appreciate where he's coming from because I was there and I'm an adult. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I can't, uh, fault anybody for feeling that way. That's just, it's, it was a crazy time and still is so just what it is all right so before we wrap up here i feel like i'm gonna since i never really did an intro of me or anything about me personally other than i cried by myself on a plane mm-hmm. i'm gonna well, share we, i'm gonna we share know a story. That you're, you're a great <laughs> mom and you're afraid of airplanes there you go yeah this story is from when i was about 13 and i i shared a portion of this, I think, maybe with you and Chris here a few few years back, like um, when we when we first partnered up. So those of you that don't know Chris McFerrin, he has been part of our team for years up until recently, and he's had an opportunity to branch out on his own. Um, but I, Josh, you and I knew each other a little bit more than Chris and I did. And so we had gone to lunch and we were it was like a business meeting and we're talking and somehow we got on the topic of our families and what we did. And I said, you know, I grew up on a ranch and we talked about our parents. And I said, my dad breeds 
PBR bucking bulls. Like that's, I mean, he he is a stock contractor. He has, we have a rodeo company, two of them actually. So he provides all the stock for rodeos and that's how I grew up. And he was a bull rider, uh, a professional bull rider uh, when, when I was little. And he just looked at me and he goes, oh my God, you just got so much cooler in my eyes. <laughs> all right, I'll take it. I mean, cool by association, fine, done, I'll take it. Um, but if that gives you a little backstory on how I grew up, so I'm about 13. I have a brother who was four years younger than me. So, you know, he's probably like, what, nine? And he had two friends that were always at our house. So, you know, we've got three probably nine or 10 year old boys and they want to learn how to ride bulls. And so my dad had brought a bunch of steers into the arena. And steers are, um, for lack of a detailed explanation, small bulls. Um, so they're smaller. <laughs> There's, they're not, it's nothing like riding a bull. Let's just be honest. But to a nine year old, it probably is. And they're terrible. They're just falling off, you know, one hop and they're off. And I'm trying to coach from behind the shoots. And I said, you guys are terrible. I'm going to go get my boots. I'll be right back. And dad said, you're going to ride. I said, yes, I can do this. They are not good. I am going to go show them how easy this is. So I go get my boots. I come back. I get on. Dad's pulling my bull rope. I'm thinking, these boys, I am going to go show them how easy this is. I can ride a bucking horse. Of course, I would be able to ride a steer that bucks. And, you know, dad gives me a few tips of advice, you know, slide up on your rope and, you know, lean forward. I'm doing all the things in my mind. This was probably the rankest bull ride of all time. In reality, it was probably two small hops and I went over the head of the steer. I slid on the dirt floor arena, which was a big clumps of really dry dirt because this was an indoor arena. And I kind of stumbled around and I, I got back on my knees and I looked back and my dad had jumped over the chutes and was running toward me like he was afraid. Oh, I also got stepped on. I forgot that the steer kind of stepped on my shoulder and slid down my side, which also was probably like having a large dog step on you. Anyway, he jumps over and he's running toward me. And as I raise up and I looked at him, I spit a bunch of dirt out and he leaned down, like doubled over hands on his knees and is laughing so hard he can't catch his breath. And I was spitting out dirt. I had it packed into my eye. My side is bloody. And everybody said, um, how many times did you ride a bull? And I say twice, my first and my last. So I have taken from that two things. One, don't always assume because something looks easy that it is and you could do it better. I have taken that to heart with so many things as I coach advisors and think about what they're doing. It's so easy to sit back and go, I could totally do that. That would be so easy if I tried that. So my steer riding has served me well for many things. Don't get too arrogant. Don't think you can do things and be willing to just try it. Be willing to just try it and see what happens. That is, that is great advice. Honestly. I mean, that's the, that's the key to life right there. At least be willing to try it if you've never tried it and see what happens. But yeah, you better realize that it's not always as easy as it looks and that could get you in trouble if you're not careful. It's not like riding a horse that bucks FYI. Cause you're curious in case and you were thinking I, about trying it. It's not the same. Yeah, I'm not. No, not me. I'm going to stick to the, 
I'll stick to the private jet. You stick to the, you know, the riding the bulls. Fair enough. Okay, so <laughs> I hope that gave everybody a little insight. They probably love you a little more, me a little less, but that's okay. Hang in there with us, folks. We have some really cool stuff coming. So, Josh, next week we're going to talk about events in quarter four and how the heck you plan group meetings, what people are going to do for like holiday parties and Christmas parties and their client events. I think that'll be a big one. It's going to be a really good episode. I can promise you that they're going to walk away with at least a couple of ideas or things that they can immediately implement. That's going to help make a difference in their business. I'm excited for next week's episode. Yep. We've got one of our professionally event and travel planners that's going to come on. Obviously, Gradient has had to adapt with our events. If you've got the notification that the summit has been moved, the summit hosts hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of advisors. And we had to make that work in a COVID-19 world where you have to social distance, where you have to think about so many things as it goes into planning. Those are all going to be things that you'll have to consider, too, to still hold events this last quarter now on a smaller scale but we're going to give you a checklist everything you need to know so you can still hold your events and make it as successful and least stressful as possible so it'll be a good one yes really looking forward to next week's episode and had a great had a really fun time on today's episode so hopefully they like like it thank you josh for joining we'll talk to you guys next week you are you are so welcome thanks for having me we'll talk to you next week